Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuys. Nets.daily.com. iTunes, five stars. We want them. We need them. We have to have them, Brian. Mike. The Nets are day. in a precarious position. Weird. Weird day. Weird Weird news vibes, and especially as it pertains to the Nets. Like, a lot to dig into, but also a lot of uncertainty, a lot of weird, icky feelings. It's a weird one. This is going to be, this is going to really challenge us as as podcasters, I think, this episode. Well, I almost want to put a warning out ahead of it to be like, Uh-oh. we're just talking here. We're just two guys. We're like, we're two buddies at a bar. Truly two- spitballing. Yeah. So let's not have any real emotions about what we're about to say, because what we're going to talk about is obviously Kevin Durant's injury, how that impacts maybe the Nets' pursuit of him in some way, if it does at all. Um, I think that's a valuable conversation to have when you're a Nets-centric podcast. Uh, we're going to talk a little NBA draft. We're going to talk max free agents. I've got a game for Brian. I'm going to have him play that he will softly reject all throughout the continuousness of the game. Um, Brian. <laughs> I could. I could. No, who knows how soft or hard I might reject this game. Well, as I was forming it, I was telling. I, I could already tell it was not going to be a winner. Oh, so per, that's my favorite types. Say yeah. say no more. Let's get into it then. <laughs> and also at yeah. the end of it, I'm going to give my review of the film Detective Pikachu. I do not want to forget about that because people have been waiting for it. I've been getting so many tweets, and I will give you my Detective Pikachu takes at the end of this. Brian. Yep. What do we do, man? So here's the thing, right? They're not going to announce this thing. for. We got Katie flying, I guess, to New York, as you said, to see some kind of specialist. Um, We've been around. We've We've seen some things. I got up and close, up close and personal with Karis Levert's dislocated ankle. Okay, dislocated foot via ankle. There's all kinds of bad takes flying around for that, and your boy had the call a mile away. Right, I've got an eagle eye for this kind of thing. That's true. You did. So, what, what does your eagle eye say in the Kevin Durant I've got, situation? Those are my two great skills. I got the EQ. Right, I've got extra <laughs> got superhuman EQ. Superhuman. I can spot because I don't have a whole lot of. I don't have that nauseated feelings for that. Like, I'll, like when New- Yusuf Nurkic broke his leg in a million pieces, sure. I was able to watch that on repeat for hours on end, um, which I did. <laughs> Just kidding. I, that one was actually a little bit too gross, even for me. Um, but the Kevin Durant thing is looking not great, Mike. And I think everyone knows what they're about to say about the situation. So let's just operate. Let's just doing a, you know, foundations for the conversation we're about to have. Let's assume this is like one of those you're out for up to a year, maybe kind of kind of injuries. Right. So actually, so 538, Nate Silver's, you know, political and sports website. They did an analysis of recent guys who tore their Achilles how long that recovery took, and then what sort of impact they had when they came back onto the floor. So they have like a list of, I don't know, I think it's like eight players from the the earliest being Dominique Wilkins back in 1991-1992, going through Lafonso Ellis, Elton Brand, Chauncey Billups, Kobe, Wesley Matthews, Rudy Gay, and DeMarcus Cousins. So the average amount of time for a player who who tears their Achilles is 269 days in terms of the recovery period. Now, there's like weird outlier effects, and I'm not going to read too deeply into this, but like DeMarcus Cousins took nearly an entire year, 350, well, yeah, just basically a year, 357 days. That's how long DeMarcus Cousins took. Now, I forget exactly when he tore it last year. He tore it like with like two months left in the season, right? Something like that. Um, cause he tore it. And then I remember AD went off, 
on like this great run by to end the season and DeMarcus Cousins didn't come back until what like let's say roughly all-star break so that lines up just about right so he is the longest and that's what's interesting is that he's the longest and he's the most recent uh maybe that's to do with his size and that he's the biggest player of these guys but okay so let's just say it takes nine months okay and so nine months from now is you know is essentially all-star break time again next year um so that means katie's gonna miss probably at least two-thirds of next season i mean it's like the problem with the demarcus one too is that the data the data set sucks so bad right because like he's coming back to a team that doesn't really like need him in the first place and then also like he's coming back with this injury it's it's like a his precipitous you know drop in in like all of his statistical categories like there's a million different ways to there's there's too many variables there to really come out with any real conclusions well, and, and like, so they go through Dominique Wilkins and LaFonso Ellis. Dominique Wilkins is actually interesting because, so they, they did it value over replacement player, the player's warp plus recovery time. And Wilkins is the only guy who actually got better post-injury. Now, I'm sure he wasn't physically better, but his warp was higher post-injury than pre-injury. Um, every other player either dropped precipitously or they just dropped by like, you know, uh, a few point, like a few percentage points or whatever it would be a few digits um it's i think all of these cases they, they can be compared if you go through all the list of all the guys who tore their their achilles kobe bryant again being the most famous among them but they're not necessarily comparable the recovery time is comparable because recovery time is pretty consistent for every injury if it if the injury is consistent with the other ones right like so a guy can tear his acl an acl tear can be different between different two different players um it takes about nine months to get back from an achilles injury we know that he's not going to be full strength when he gets back but like okay i mean we're gonna have a conversation like whether the nets should still pursue him i think it's obvious that they yes they should um but it's like does this where do you think like in kevin durant's head does this alter what he is thinking overall like does it alter the fact that he could re-sign – he could pick up his player option for next season. And I think it's like $35 million with the Warriors and just say, I'm going to take that, guarantee myself that money so I can come back. Hopefully I'll come back healthy and play You know, the final four months of the season. Or is it like, actually, I should probably grab my money now because I don't know what I'm going to be like next season. It's like a crazy – it's in a mm. cr- completely crazy and unfortunate situation. You know who's trying to get ahead of that and influence it? Who? It's your boy Bob Myers with that insane press conference. <laughs> Why? What? The one that he was... <laughs> okay. You don't believe... I... So, okay. I can't... This is what I, I... I've talked to a bunch of people about this, and there there's some interesting takes. So, for me, Bob Myers' whole spiel there was, like, pretty pretty fake (laughs) that that uh that like i'm having an emotional moment thing like i you know i don't want to like it's it's obviously like that's it's a lame thing to start like you know picking at um but look i i've seen people cry there's oftentimes things coming out of their face and you know when they go to sniffle there's things coming out of their nose this guy's sinuses were he they were betraying his performance in the worst possible way. <laughs> there was on my best most, he- most 
most healthiest day, no matter how much green tea I've ever drank in a single sitting, my nasal cavities have never been that crystal clear when, when he was doing his sniffles. I'm just saying, I think he understands the play here. Kevin Durant is a person that is influenced mightily by appeals to emotion. Bob Myers um, would like to presumably seize this opportunity to continue working with Kevin Durant. Um, he also has to do some kind of PR, you know, grandstanding and and uh, just damage control in general. Um, so, you know, bringing out the waterworks for me feels like a look. <laughs> I know you're giving me this look like you can't say that, but you can say it. Can, I got hot takes. It's my podcast. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll get as hot as I want with my takes. So, so I'm typically skeptical of people crying in those type of circumstances. Um, it's an unusual it's an unusual human reaction to something like that. But I don't. But then my other side of me says it's not that easy for people to summon those feelings if they're not a professional actor. Like I watch a lot of bad Netflix TV shows and those people who are professional actors can't even can't even act to the level. Like if we're saying Bob Myers was acting, I don't even think he. They could not even reach bad Netflix TV actors could have reached the Bob Myers level no, of that was, emotion. That was bad, dude. That that was just like it was like <laughs> that was that was at that exact level. Which to Bob Myers' credit, like good job, you 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 passed that very low bar we set for you. But I don't know. I you're on the, you're of the mind that he's like legitimately having an emotional like breakdown at that point, like because there's just I no think, freaking way. I think so because wow. No, because, okay, like, let's think back to that Mark Stevens moment. Mark Stevens was the billionaire, what we're calling an investor in the Golden State Warriors when he's actually a part owner of the Golden State Warriors. This guy who really only put his money into the team, that's his only relationship with the team, is such a psychopath, so wrapped up in this team winning this championship that he went to, completely unprovoked, push Kyle Lowry and now is has now faced the biggest fine in like NBA owner history besides maybe Donald Sterling though I don't even remember what the Donald Sterling fine was and he's been banned from this team that he supposedly loves with all of his heart that it clouds his emotions to such a degree banned for them for a year in a situation where we're about to go into a new building that as an investor slash co-owner he partly probably paid for um, and he can't even go to this new building so these people involved with the team, and Bob Myers is a whole other level. These people not just tangentially involved, but sort of um, like if we're saying the players are the sun, then Steve Kerr is Mercury, and Bob Myers would be Venus. Um, they are within the solar system of the team, closely related to the core of it. I think the, all of them, most of them, get out of their minds crazy. And that becomes an emotional thing either way. So, like, this is another bad take that I'm I'm going to try out bad take number two on this pod. Wait, hold on. My my take was bad. Well, bad person. Like, uh, we're bad people. Takes. Okay. Great. Okay. Not. I, I can handle that. That's fine. It's not. It's not a hot take. It's a uh, hateful take. I don't know what. Whatever. We'll brand that later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. People were furious at Raptors fans for having the reaction that they did when Kevin Durant went down with the injury. And yes, it is classless and it's awful and everyone knows that is completely bad behavior and you're not defending the bad behavior. But I'm like, I'm going to say we were praising Toronto fans for 
for standing outside in Jurassic Park and showing that level of passion. We were praising them in Game 4 that they stayed inside Oracle Arena chanting and singing for hours after a game when no one was even there anymore. They were still chanting and singing. And this Kevin Durant subplot has been bubbling for a month now, and it's been kind of held over the Raptors' heads of one, yeah, you guys are winning the series, but you're winning it without Kevin Durant being on the other side of the floor. And they've always had this looming threat that Kevin Durant was going to come and steal away the championship that the Raptors have been waiting, you know, since Toronto itself has been waiting for since 1993. So in the moment when you're in the arena and everyone is of the same mindset of we hate the Warriors, we want the Raptors to win, the guy that had been sort of the the Durant ex machina of the series, thank you. Uh, just when thought that, of that. I just saw uh, that in your. Uh, I think your eyes rolled back in your head. I think you worked out for that one. I worked out. I dipped into the the dictionary for that one. Um, <laughs> this guy who also started the game playing really well, though I thought physically didn't look all that athletic at the t- like he was a little shaky, understandably so. He goes down with an injury. They don't know that he pulled his Achilles. They don't know what the injury was. They don't know. They, they just see this guy go down, and you get excited. I mean, that's just a. Unfortunately, that's a natural reaction. It isn't a good one, and we all wish we could be perfect citizens. We all wish we could be Kyle Lowry, the way Kyle, Kyle Lowry reacted to getting pushed by some random dude, but we we aren't, <laughs> and. I think, let's say it was even just 5% of the fan base. 5% of the fan base in that situation is going to sound pretty loud. Um, pretty quickly, the Toronto fan base realized, oh yeah, let's not be bad people. They cheered Kevin Durant on the way out, which is like a swing the other way. I don't know. I just think, it. and Mark Jackson kind of led this on because he kept saying, he was like, he was like really pounding the Raptors fans for what they were saying. Um, and then he went the other way by by talking about how the Raptors players were trying to calm down the fans and saying, don't cheer this guy's injury. I don't think it was full, as full-throated as it's being made out to be. The the Raptors fans delight in Durant going down. Um, and I just think it's a na- – unfortunately, it's a natural reaction for all the buildup. It's just – you I, know, I it, I'm not even going to say for all the buildup or whatever. It's like, it's like the implication that – the ra- there's something in the water in Toronto or whatever that's like, it, you know, all 30 franchises, all four major sports fans would respond in the same way. People are awful. Like, that's just the tr- truth of the world. If we have, like, these high expect, like, we should stop having high expectations for these people. Also, they were super wasted. You could tell they had, like, the cut to, like, <laughs> an 80-year-old man with a shirt off. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. They were crunk. That big um, fat guy who was just waving his shirt around. Yeah. Fantastic. I, I do think... Though, like, my only hot take, like, I don't blame them in the same way that I don't blame, you know, rap, for rabbits writing. for humping. You know, it's just what, what horrible <laughs> human beings do. This is this is part of our nature. Um, and so, anyways, but the other, here's the take, though, with regards to what you said about them, like, having that turn and, like, chanting Kevin Durant afterwards. I think they became, like, immediately aware of the karmic universe in that moment. And knew that they had to do something. And so my, my, uh, I had this, my, my sister, so therapist talks a lot about like, uh, I think there's like uh, a school of thought about karma and it's like scientificness, which isn't, you know, it's not scientific, but there's a sort of scientific explanation to an extent where if you 
do something bad, you can like punish yourself indirectly in other ways, like down the line, mm. you know, like you have this like, like looming unconscious feeling of guilt that you need to like self-sabotage to account for. Um, and that's what I think it happened at the end of that night. It was a perfect, this is like one of my favorite games of all time. Just like there was so much going on in it. And like, it's like, uh, this is sort of where like the WWE elements of the NBA intersect nicely with, with the actual sports elements. Um, it was just such a perfect game and the ending of it was so bizarre so perfectly bizarre um because it was almost as if everybody in the room felt this like this destiny to be like for for to end in a kyle lowry like super contested corner three that careens off the side of the backboard um and everyone's still like standing in disbelief (laughs) like like they didn't expect the time to go out there like wait time went out and we still don't have the higher score like something's something's wrong here (laughs) And it was the karmic universe, you know, coming full circle, of course. That's that's the explanation for it. And, like, so to sort of backtrack for our history on the pod, you and I have been at the forefront of Canadian sports fans are not nice. I think we've oh, been... Oh, yeah, yeah. We've been leading that charge that Canadian sports fans are... Like, so the, the meme about Canada is that everyone is so nice. Yeah. Well, Canadian sports fans are typically the opposite. They my Every experience that I've had with them on Twitter, in the stadium... Whatever have been like pretty surly. They're also um, super, uh, in my experience, like mega petty. Like they don't like they're not above like going like yeah the refs like screwed us like as like a real like point in their argument. Like nobody likes Canada. The refs don't like it. Like everyone's out to get us. It's a real yeah thing. So, so like honestly, I think pretty much every fan base would have reacted just as poorly as how Toronto reacted. And I'm not even I'm like I'm I am agreeing how the fans reacted is bad, but. Like, you know, I also understand the reaction. And and again, you know, this is a mass generalization, and I'm very comfortable making it. Nice. Um, nice. Canada's favorite sport is hockey. And you, in hockey, whenever an opposing player gets a puck to the face and there's blood on the ice, the fans are cheering. Mm-hmm. It's it's part of the sport to be happy that another guy has his teeth laying out on the ice. Mm. Um, so you, it's the same people, you know, for the most part. Um, <laughs> the same people that probably like the Maple Leafs and would like to see Zidane Charta, you know, go down with an Achilles injury during a series. I don't know what any of those things are. That you just I know, right? I'm trying. I'm just. <laughs> it, it's like the same people. So, you know, their their behavior <laughs> is more aligned with what their the traditional way that they follow sports. And again, like like it's crappy and it's terrible. And you know, and actually, I'll, I'll bring it back to the Nets for a sec. I actually think the Nets fan base would be one of the better ones in that situation. Um, I don't know what it, I just feel like yeah, there's something it's like kind of a kitty fan base. It's like a little bit, it's like a family like experience a little bit or yeah. something. Yeah. But... Like, like Mr. Like we're not, we're not going to go after these players. I just think it was like, you know, we, we, you know, our Twitter account, we follow like every basketball writer and every basketball podcast and every basketball personality on the sun. So if you log on to Twitter at any point, uh, basketball, NBA, Twitter writ large, um, you're going to get a lot of the same thing over and over again. And like what you're just getting, like, this is horrible. And I'm like, yeah, it's not, it's not great. And we all understand this is bad behavior, but like it, it also was, I also under, kind of understand what happened. Um, now for the Nets, um, are they getting Kevin Durant now, Brian? Is that the, <laughs> man, I wish we had uh, somebody on here to talk to you about this. Who really knew, you know? Oh yeah. Uh, so we had teased that Anthony Puccio was going to be on the pod this week. We're hoping to get him next week. 
I can't even say where he is right now. He's like he's he's gone off on a you know a black site off on like yeah. you know like a terrorist black site in the movie. Guy's a big wig. Zero dark thirty. We missed, we missed our window when he was on the up and up. And now he's he's he he got over. You know he's out of our range. Yeah. So so we'll get Anthony next week and we'll we'll just like dive all in what he knows and what he thinks and all that fun stuff. Um, I mean, do you even have any any takes? It's so, it's it's like too much to take on right now for my tiny brain. I'll give you three small takes. Oh, wow. Three baby takes. One, he's flying to New York. Easy joke to make. He's already <laughs> flying to New York. Kevin Durant is flying to New York to get his Achilles checked out. Um, so, and as you were saying, like, that that news is going to come out. So, the, okay, the, the, the next game is Thursday night. And, you know, let's say the Warriors lose. I think the Achilles news comes out, like, like 5.30 p.m. Friday. If If it doesn't... If they win game six, that news isn't going to come out until after game seven because they're not going to they're not going to drop Kevin Durant Achilles news that then the Warriors players have to talk about. It's probably going to leak out somehow, but they're not going to officially say, you know, he's done for nine months. Um, I think and the Vegas odds reflect this. You know, unfortunately, this just feels like logical thing would be for kevin durant it's tough to say actually i would say that the logical thing for kevin durant is if he can convince a team to give him a four-year max because if he spends next year his options are to pick up his option for one year for 35 million to recover as part of the golden state warriors and to then hopefully you know finish out their stretch run next year and their playoffs and come back that way or it's to go in the open market and look for a four-year deal at the max number and guarantee to get that now. I think he's still going to get it. There's, like, no question in my mind that, like, the Lakers or the Clippers or the Nets or the Knicks are still going to give Kevin Durant max money. I don't I don't think this injury is I, – I just don't think it has any impact on whether he gets max money. It makes him a little bit less desirable. But wouldn't you still rather have Kevin Durant coming back from an Achilles than Jimmy Butler? Like, that's how I would feel. Especially yeah, if you're the Nets. It, like, if it changes anybody's like current like, I don't know, standing or odds or whatever. Um, did you see the other Stephen A. Smith thing about Kyrie flying to um, Golden State or whatever to to like convince Kevin Durant? It was like a random tweet about it. No, I didn't see that. What what did he say? Um, this is like me quoting a tweet that was like from somebody listening to something without the link. So pretty, pretty perfect, pretty good That's source. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like apparently some some time ago, Kyrie and, and Kevin Durant had had a conversation and Stephen A. Smith um, is on record somewhere where I can't find speculating that that was about coming to the Nets. Yeah, I mean, so it's interesting, like if you run through all the teams that are in, that, that are intrigued by Kevin Durant the Lakers signing Kevin Durant not that that was ever really rumored now it would be completely threatened because what LeBron's going to wait for Kevin Durant to get back to be healthy to waste another year of his time with the Lakers so maybe that affects things though I, I still don't even really think it would the Clippers would happily still take Kevin Durant and be like we're just not going to play you for that whole year what's the point of playing you for for a year if they could get him the Knicks I wouldn't go to the. I 100% now wouldn't go to the Knicks if I'm Kevin Durant because what happens is 
there's going to be all this pressure on him to come back and to be, you know, like back to his old self. And he's not going to be back to his old self at least next season. Is what you're saying this improves our chances, Mike? Is that what I'm what I'm hearing here? I don't know. I don't know if it improves. If I'm if I'm advising Kevin Durant and I'm also a podcast host for the Nets, I would tell him to come to the Nets. But if I was not a podcast host for the Nets and I was advising Kevin Durant, um, I would never I just wouldn't go to the Knicks. I think the the amount of pressure he already would have faced by coming to the Knicks if he was fully healthy is going to be immense. Now he would be going into a situation where the team stinks, even if they sign Kemba Walker and Kevin Durant or whatever it ends up being. And he ends up in a situation where he's trying to recover and then still be like the guy for the Knicks. Still trying to be the alpha for the Knicks while he's recovering from a serious injury. To to me, I I mean, just I wouldn't touch that. Now maybe the option for him is to you know pick up that option and stay with the Warriors. That would be the easiest thing because that's an assurance. You know what you have. You know what you know. You have Bob crying Bob, crying Bobby Myers. They're protecting you. Um, I I just don't. I would not go to the Knicks, man. That is. Sounds like, if I'm hearing you correctly, you know, if I'm a, just a glistener on the other end of the of the internet, <laughs> sounds like Mike's saying this improves our chances. Isn't that, you know, we don't get enough traction to get pulled out of hoops hypes, like rumors, mm-hmm. but if, like, the headline was smelts, yeah. colon, Achilles good for nets, or Achilles tear good for nets, <laughs> yeah. it's like, wow, what a take. Potentially career-ending injury <laughs> benefits. Nets pop- podcast <laughs> celebrates... <laughs> Benefits my podcast. (laughs) Nets podcast says Bob Myers is a fraud. Nets podcast (laughs) says Raptors fans were right to to boo Kevin or cheer Kevin Durant's career ending injury. We've turned heel on this show today. That's what happened. Um, You want to play a game or you want to do NBA draft thoughts? Uh, Let's play a game. I'm in in just a wacky mood, you know? All right. Let's go to break and we'll come back and then play a quick game of... Who would you rather do with that thing? I know. All right, welcome back. So this is the game that I have just now titled, Who Would You Rather Do With That Thing? What this we is, will do. This is a great name. That could mean yes. anything. Yeah. It could mean anything. Um, we have five contestants today on Who Would You Do With That Thing? Uh, it, these five players are the five max free agents. Um, oh, wow. That, but I'm not including Jimmy Butler because I don't think he's going to be answered in any of them. Well, I'm talking Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Tobias Harris, Kawhi Leonard, and Clay Thompson. Those five, okay? Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you certain situations, and you tell me which of these players you would most like to do the thing with. Okay? So, wait, hang on. Let me just write these down. Clay, Kawhi, Kyrie, KD. And what was the last one? Should, I, should we do Tobias Harris or Jimmy Butler? I'll, I'll give you that option. I, 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 let me just play it by ear, okay? Okay. You can go any way you want. Yeah. Uh, the first one, we're going to start off most trusted designated driver of that group. Who do you trust the most? Um, I think mm, that's an interesting question because <clears throat> I feel like they're all like fairly like non-party bros. So like mm. with maybe a couple of ex- – maybe like Jimmy and Clay – are exceptions but like here's the thing it's like Kawhi. have you ever seen annie hall you know that scene where christopher walken is like talking about driving into the side of a bridge <laughs> that, no but that's enough for me to really understand it that's, yeah. that's sort of the like but Kawhi understands that the what the meme is 
like, so here's the thing. I don't know whatever else is happening at the end of these. Like, who would you want to do with that thing? The thing is, like, I probably don't want to hang out with Kawhi in any other way other than have him drive me around. So I'm just going to go with Kawhi on that. <laughs> That's a great answer. I would say yeah. Tobias Harris just because yeah. he seems like a charitable fo- fella and seems like a really nice guy. And if the Nets are so desiring him, it must be because he's such a good personality. I could see Tobias Harris being like a really good, like classy DD. Mm. Clay, Clay Thompson would be a good DD because what he uh, typically seems to like to do, there's not a great drug test from police for it quite yet. Yeah. So Tobias he, Harris he, does have a driver vibe about him too. If he was like, you know, yeah, he could pleasant. be, he could be an Uber driver. Yeah, and like, I would say about Tobias, I think he's naturally happy. And so you, what you do want in your DD, because your DD is going to go to the party with you in some way, you're going to want someone who brings that energy and oh, doesn't need Oh, I didn't realize they're, they're coming to the party. Well, yeah, they're coming to the, they're part of the, they're part of the event. No, you don't have to babysit them. But, you know, if you want someone to be the DD in your group. I see. They, they need to be able to go to a party, not drink, and then be able to kind of keep up with the vibe and have that good time. Oh, wow. My guy, Kawhi is terrible now all of a sudden. Like, you want, well, like Kevin, you want Kevin Hart for that or something. <laughs> I think I think Kawhi, if we were to go to that party, he would find like the Xbox and zone in on like whatever video game. He, he, I, was, I just feel like you're gonna walk in and he'll be in the bedroom like looking at a family photo album or something. That's that's where. Yeah. Well, and I think I know what your answer is with this, so we'll just dive right into it. The person you'd least like to take a cross country car trip with. The person I'd least like to do that with. Can I? I still can't integrate Jimmy Butler into that. Yes, you can. You oh, do whatever okay. you want. I think I'm going to go Jimmy Butler on that. Well, oh, that's tough. Because if I'm really like sizing up their personality, Jimmy Butler at least like talks. You know, <laughs> I get the vibe that like Kevin Durant probably doesn't talk that much, and when he does talk, it's going to be, I don't know, about stuff I don't care about. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> do you have a hard, do you have a real answer for that? I like how all these are about driving for the are they all these questions well, about cars? Yeah, all about yeah. cars. Yeah. Um, so. Not this isn't the real answer, but this is like what I would want to do right now. And and also, are they famous too? Like, because like for the, for example, Jimmy Butler is considerably less famous than Kevin Durant. Like, they're like exactly who they are, right? They are exactly who they are. They they are themselves as a person, but they are you. They bring all of their real world stuff right. into this fantasy. If we world. pull over, like at the cheese factory, cheese cheesecake factory, the cheese factory, cheesecake factory. <laughs> at the Cheesecake Factory, and there's just going to be a riot when Kevin Durant shows up. Whereas Jimmy Butler, <clears throat> I feel like we can we can sneak in the back and, and be fine. Well, so I would want to, I would most want to do it. I would least want to do it. Um, well, so I guess it's like least versus versus most. I would least want to do it with Jimmy Butler. Okay, just because I don't want that energy. I don't. I feel like it's that's the thing. He's going to be really persnickety about like the Motel Six mattress or whatever like I, I imagine lots of time and attention on all of that kind of stuff well and i imagine he's facetiming mark Wahlberg while we're driving and like it's one of those awkward situations where like just jimmy and mark are having a conversation yes. and i'm just driving and also and also jimmy's gonna be like we're waking up we're waking up at 5 a.m tomorrow morning and we're gonna drive for equal like increments of six hours a piece stopping and it's like no jimmy i'm not i don't i'm gonna sleep till noon i'll probably be really hungover you're gonna have to drive most of the way <laughs> well and it's it's like you know i'm big on I, I like to drive like like so we were in rochester this past weekend and i drove the whole way back we had my wife and our uh, our friends two of our friends in the back but i drove the whole way because i was like how far is rochester like four hours six hours really that far jeez yeah well depending on traffic but like five and a half six yeah it's it's 
it's out there, Brian. Holy it's heck. It's out there, buddy. Yeah, it's another part of the world. Um, but I like, you know, I get the podcast going. I stick a little earbud in my ear. And I understand that's like kind of rude and kind of brings down the group. And I get that. That's my own issue. But if I'm driving, I like to sort of listen to my thing. And I feel like Jimmy Butler couldn't handle that silence. He couldn't be sitting... Like, he, he couldn't just be listening to his own stuff in the car. He would have to be sort of, like, asking me questions or trying to get me to laugh at his jokes while I'm listening to, you know, Conan O'Brien's interview with Martin Short. I'm just like, give me, Jesus. I'm driving, give me give me that little bit of time. I, I, I like to engage with the car, and I like to ask, you know. That is want- the perfect podcast for, for Mike Smeltz, the, <laughs> the Martin Short interview on the Conan O'Brien podcast. You couldn't pay uh, me to, go ahead. Um, but so, but the person I'd most like to take a cross country car trip with, I want to say it's Kawhi Leonard because it would be an Olympian feat to try to get inside that brain, you know, and he, he would have nowhere to go. He would have to, he would have to talk to me. Like he would have to reveal some shit. Like, I think like by the time we reached Arkansas, I would, I would wear him down enough to where he reveal something deep and personal about himself. You know I'm, what I mean? I'm imagining uh, the scene in Sling Blade where uh, John Ritter is, is at the restaurant with with Billy Bob, and he's like, I just feel like you've got a lot in there. I just want to, like, get in there and and know you. Like, what what are you thinking about right now? And he's like, bring down them, more of them French fried potatoes. <laughs> That's that's I think what you would get out of the Kawhi Leonard thing. Even if that's not his real personality, that's what he would give you to keep his meme alive. I'm I'm gonna do it with Kawhi. Right. If he signs with the Nets, I'm gonna get him to do you're a cross country. You need that sling blade conversation, dude. And you're gonna have to be there for for days. Enjoy. Um, next question for you: Who would you most like to invite to your wedding? Oh wow! Now um, let me set parameters to this. Like is this he is your my, wedding. Is he in my bridal party? He's not in a bridal party. This is your wedding, though. So there's this, you will not be able to babysit or you will just have to. Like, so when you came to my wedding, great. I knew you and your wife would, would have a fun time without me needing to have you guys to have a fun time. You know, mm. like, I, I trust that Brian, because Brian, you know, to reveal, Brian and I are friends, but like, Brian's not friends with all my extended Syracuse mm. crew. And I'm not necessarily friends with all your extended Syracuse crew. So, like, there's a certain amount of faith that B- Brian is going to have a good time at my wedding without me hand-holding him. Which I would feel that guilt. That's mm. the kind of guilt I feel. Yeah, that's that's all true. So, who among this group that do you feel like could have the best time at your wedding, though not too much fun? You don't want someone that, like, like a Jimmy Butler, who would probably make... right. Certain amount about themselves. This is uh, this for me is like a really obvious one. It's Clay, you know, just because like he's you know right. Right. sociable in a very approachable way. It seems like you know like that thing with him with the scaffolding or whatever, or like the crane, you know, clip on on the internet where he's like very <laughs> you know. I don't think he's got a <clears throat> in life. He's got much of an ego that I can that I can tell. And uh, yeah, I would have no problem like as you say, sticking him in the corner, you know, having my uncle, you know. Um, just dress him down over over his performance, you know, or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I feel pretty confident about that one. Are you going to choose something different? I'm going to choose something different, but I think Clay is a really good answer because of this group, he's, would you say he's the least, well, Tobias Harris is the least famous, 
But I don't I don't know if I mean Tobias Harris would be a good answer, but Clay would be good because like if Kevin Durant was at your wedding, which is who my pick would be, my one reservation is that he is so famous that it would sort of blind the fun of the wedding. People would be so focused on him being at the wedding. They'd be like, Kevin Durant's here. Um, where if Clay was at your wedding, people would be like, Clay Thompson's here, but they wouldn't he would be part of the fabric of the wedding. Mm. Where Durant, Kyrie if you have, if you have Kevin Durant people. at your wedding, Mike, you are going to become a distant second for the most important thing at that wedding. That's that's the problem, and I can't handle that. Well, I here's the thing: you can probably handle that. Your one. wife can't handle that. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no disrespect. Everyone's collective wives. I don't mean that you know individually. So I say Kevin Durant because the couple personal reasons: he's from Maryland. I'm from Maryland. I feel like we could have some discussion of. Not me, but my friends who are from Maryland could have some kind of discussion of some connection with him, and we could talk about the Redskins. Like, my friends could have conversations about the Redskins with Kevin Durant. Um, I think he would be – he seems like he likes to have a good time, but not, like, an overboard amount of good time. Um, I like the energy he would kind of bring. I think he would bring, like, a confident sort of just – but, like, not ostentatious. just Just like a part of the fabric. In that way, in the party sense. But yeah, I think my one concern is that he would become the focal point. Mm. Um, I know he would have a good time at my kind of wedding, though. He would have a a great time at my wedding. Mm. Um, Next question. Who is most likely to have friends atop their Netflix queue? The show Friends. Sorry, to do what? Who do you think? Essentially, the question is, who do you think of this group is most the biggest Friends fan? Oh, wow. I mean, we haven't... <clears throat> I, I wouldn't just say this just because he's the last person we haven't talked about, but probably Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Um, just based on his Instagram, you know, uh, his posts... That, like, I, told, I talked about the one where he was all in his feels about, like, you know, a girl on a bench or whatever. That's the kind of thing that a true lover of a rom-com, sitcom, you know, feels fest like, like Friends is... Um, that's the kind of thing that he would like. And and also, he's just like, that's the kind of irony that, that he likes to traffic in as well. I think that, Who do I think you think that his one's... favorite character is on Friends? Um, There's only one answer. But so here's the thing. I think Kyrie knows what we're expecting, you know? And I think he's going to zig where we zag. So I'm going to like Phoebe on this, you know? That's the answer. That's the answer. Good. Okay. There, so you, already did, no question. you already did that math. Good. There's no question that Phoebe is Kyrie's favorite character. There's yeah. like, there. I mean, I'm sure he respects some Chandler Bing. Um, it's definitely not Ross because I don't think Kyrie believes in dinosaurs and Ross is a paleontologist. Um, <laughs> Joey Tribbiani, I think I could see him liking but not loving. Um, but it's Phoebe. It's Phoebe's belief and sort of like uh, I guess like uh, spiritualness and her eccentric way of thinking. Yeah, it's it's Phoebe. Kid, lock it in. Um, that's it. That's the game. Hey, we should probably talk a little bit before we go on to um, draft stuff. Do you think that this like you saw that big thing about Nets have inquired about Anthony Davis from yesterday? Yes. Do you think that this changes anything with that? The Kevin Durant stuff. Yeah, should we should we touch on that next week or? No, we can do it now. Um, I mean, what do you, th- do you 
I don't know. I, don't I was just looking at anything. I was just looking at stuff, and <clears throat> there was a Shams tweet um, from late yesterday. Sources: Anthony Davis is focused on the Lakers and Knicks as the two desired long-term destinations. Um, but that was before all of this happened, because you know that was still. It still seemed like the Kevin Durant to Knicks memes were, you know, still right on the top of everyone's tongue. The tip. Yeah, I mean, I, I tongue. so. This is probably like this is probably going to be the wrong take when we when we talk in like three weeks. But I don't think the Durant Achilles tear is going to ultimately matter all that much for the amount of teams that really want him and for the 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 number of players that would want to play with him. Like you don't think that that makes him more stressed out to go to the Knicks? I to your point, like your yeah. earlier point. I, I mean, that's what I assumed as well. No, I, I, I. If I'm him, I don't want to go to the Knicks because that is the most pressured situation. Yeah, I mean, and it's the most uncertain basketball product of all of the destinations. And like, if he goes to the Nets and Kyrie is there, and you know, Kyrie minus D'Lo plus the rest of the team is going to be good enough throughout most of the season that like Kevin Durant can come back whenever he wants, and he's going to be a great addition, and they'll go from there. And he won't be 100, percent but like the pressure won't be exactly on him and the team won't even really be good enough to compete for a championship. So it's not like, it's not like if he's on the floor, that's the difference between the conference finals and the NBA championship. It'll be a really good team. It just won't be like the best team in the East. Um, The Knicks situation is just like, he's going to be everything to that team, no matter who else is on that squad. Even if it is Kyrie and Kevin Durant, like the rest of that team is so bad. So, there's just too much pressure. I, for a guy who seems to not super enjoy that kind of scrutiny, I really don't get. You don't want to go to the Nets or the Knicks at this point. You just don't want to do it. Um, but I still think, like, over in general, the value of Kevin Durant is not diminished all that much because of this injury. You don't get him for most of the first year, but you know. He's still Kevin Durant. Um, and also, his his game is still mostly about his length and shooting and confidence. And the one thing about the injury is you hope that it doesn't sap him of confidence in his body. Like, he may be a little slower or not as quick to react to certain things. But if he can maintain confidence in his body to make, you know, I have to make these three steps to get open to shoot off this shot. You know, if he can if he can maintain that confidence, that's he's not going to ultimately be all that much different. Um, um, it'd be a lot cooler if Anthony Davis just like chilled out for a year and we could just pick him up as a free agent. That'd be chill. That'd be super chill. I don't think that's going to happen. It doesn't look like it. Doesn't look good at all. Um, should we do NBA draft? Heck yeah. All right, so we're like what? We're ten days away from the NBA draft. Completely forgot nine days that away. Ten days now. Ever since the we traded away our seventeenth pick, I, nobody. I don't. I haven't thought about it since. No bowl, bowl. That's over. It's over. I don't care about the draft. Yeah. So I'm gonna just blow through stuff quickly, and I'm not even gonna like. I'm not gonna try to languish too much on any subject. But <clears throat> losing the seventeenth pick overall gets you out of the Brandon Clark bowl, bowl. The guy dropping out of the lottery conversation that is gone. So what you're looking at if you're trying as a glistener and you're trying to decide who do I want the Nets to get, you keep looking at that, you know, ESPN top 100 prospects list of guys between 20 and 45, maybe even go to 50 and dig through who you most like out of that group. Because for the most part, 
those top 20 players will be gone. You know, the NBA, like, kind of, they do stick to the overall board. Um, there's still guys that, like, I maintain that this is a great draft for the Nets. There are so many dudes who, yeah, they don't do everything, but they do, like, three things really well, or they fit that position of the wing, power forward, you know, sort of, like, alternate wing type position who can go a little bit bigger. Um, there's just a lot of guys I like, like, I'll just like shoot off the top rope here. You know, it's interesting. <laughs> nice. I, I want Taco Fall, Brian. That's my new bowl bowl. <clears throat> you know, I was in one of our, the when we had a love fest for Taco Fall, that other podcast, maybe like two or three podcasts ago, in the comments, people were like, the amount of Taco Fall love on the last five minutes of this podcast is egregious, offensive, <laughs> <laughs> not allowed to go uncontested, that amount of love. I want the Nets to buy a second, second round pick and draft Taco Fall mm-hmm. because I think reliably you can get 12 minutes a game out of him and he's going to produce eight points, six rebounds, and a block. And he's going to do that consistently and he's going to play against the backups and he's going to fill a nice little role for you. And you're not going to have to worry about him. Seems like a totally great dude. There, uh, Luka Samancic. Samancic? Uh, fantastic. I don't understand why he's not drafted higher. He's the 6'11", but I think he's Czech or something like that. 6'11", shooter, athletic, um, typical Euro that we hear about. Bring him over to me. He fits exactly what the Nets want to do. Wait, hold Cam, up. Where, where are our picks now? Can you... Do we... So we're 27 and 31. Right. So this want to say, when you look at... Just look at the top 100 of whatever board you like the best... And the Ringer, ESPN, whoever it would be, just look between 20 and 40, 20 and 50, and pick out guys that you think make the most sense. <laughs> a guy that a lot, a lot of people have actually con- like spoken out about on Twitter, like at us, Cam Johnson from North Carolina, 45% from three, 82% from the free throw line. Um, he's pretty athletic, surprisingly athletic from the way he plays, but like he tested really well at the combine. He's a guy who can fit sort of exactly that to mold into a Damari Carroll role. Um, I absolutely love him. Matisse Thibel from Washington, two blocks a game, three steals a game. 85% from the three-throw line, but only 30% from three. Doesn't play offense, but you hope by the 85% from the free-throw line, you can continue to develop his shot and make him a three-point shooting D uh, type player, a three and D. I don't know, man. There's just, I'm, and I when I the one other thing like I kind of want to add to this whole conversation like, let's just say the Nets have some idea that they're gonna get Kyrie and KD, okay? I think it'll be interesting to see what type of players they go after in the draft because you would think they don't need a guard, and if they think they're gonna get Kyrie, they're not gonna get a guard. So, the these draft picks are gonna matter a lot because. There's just not going to be that much avenue after signing Kyrie and KD or Kyrie and D'Lo of where to sign other players. There's not going to be that much room. So these draft picks are going to matter a lot. So they're going to have to be drafting specifically for a team that has stars on it. And that's why Thibel from Washington makes a lot of sense. Eric Paschal, I don't even know how to say his last name. He's from Villanova. He's a a big old 6'7", 250, 40-inch vertical, 35% from three. Um there's just like a lot of players that make sense as role players on a team 
surrounded by stars. I've been basically <clears throat> like all I do now is you know when I look and get the mock drafts, just go by weight. I'm just looking for weight. I just want some. I just want some thickness on this team for next year. You know. Yeah, they need they need to inject some some like some beefy dudes that can just lean on people for a bit, just like a quick lean. You know. Hmm. Um. Um. I'm uh I'm interested to see what. Sean Marks. I don't think there's. So we had talked before that if they trade Alan Crabb, that means that the Nets are big game hunting, and they already had done that. Obviously, I don't think there's going to be like any real indication about who the Nets draft, whether that means anything for who they actually will sign. You know, ten days later in free agency, but you know, the Nets, the the Nets need to come out of this draft with at least one role player who's going to make sense for the next couple of years on the team. Because once they sign the two max guys, whoever it is, <laughs> just well, you've gonna... really come a long way with that, Mike. Yeah, I know. I, I I really should hold stronger to my I don't want Kyrie take, but it seems inevitable. Man. People, people came in like over the top. Happen. They were like, they called you a little biatch for for being. That's what happened. Like the internet was just like, shut up to everyone that doesn't want Kyrie Irving, and a bunch of people were like, okay, fine. Well, they're children. <laughs> And they don't understand the history of the Nets in the NBA. Fighting back. You see the whole thing, Ian Eagle saying, like, the Nets have done their homework on Kyrie Irving's personality or whatever. Really? Somebody sent us an email about this. Um, Yeah. Ian Eagle has spoken on this. Ian Eagle knows some stuff that... um, He was like, what are you guys, insane? You think the Nets have been doing this the right way for years and years, and all of a sudden, just, like, absentmindedly, like, okay, whatever, Kyrie Irving, let's do it. Like, they do their work, believe in the culture. That's the same thing I've been saying all the time. Let's go, Mike. Let's fire it up, baby. It's happening. June 9th, NetsDaily.com, an extensive interview Friday with Doug Gottlieb on Fox Sports. Ian Eagle says he believed the Nets have studied how Kyrie Irving could fit into the Nets system for a long time, and that it's not just, this seems like a good idea. Nothing set in stone, said Eagle. I think Kyrie's last season changed the way he's viewed by others in the NBA. It doesn't mean that's a reality. It just means that's how part of the persona. The Nets have done their homework. There must be a belief that if he gets into their system with their coaches, and their way of doing things, that this his style could fit with what exactly they want to do. Now, this isn't by happenstance. Uh, this is years and years of getting ready for this moment. Um your boy Sean Goodfriend, a good friend of the show, said Bill Simmons mentioned that the Nets should trade Russell if they get Kyrie proposing Josh Jackson in the sixth pick, eventually using these assets with Levert and Allen to get Anthony Davis. What do you what do you think of that? You know, I heard that. Um, so, yeah, so the proposed trade is D'Lo in a sign-in trade to Phoenix for the sixth pick, and they're like the, the – he should – Bill Simmons said the Nets should try to convince the Suns to throw in Josh Jackson. I think there's bigger salary cap implications. Like there's something like D'Lo's outgoing salary would mat would be the max at that point. Um, and I don't think it's as easy as like I think the Suns would have to send back like T.J. Warren to make it work because they have like a surprisingly fatty cap. They've got they've got a big fatty cap, Bry. You got a fatty cap. Um. So that's the question. Like, is six over? Like, obviously, if the Nets, if the Nets are going to get Kyrie and KD, if they they get anything for D'Angelo Russell, they should. But the thing is, I don't think the Suns 
The Suns could figure out a different way to get down to a low enough cap number to just then outright sign D'Angelo Russell, then giving up the sixth overall pick in the draft. And while that's an idea that I would love, like if you're going to say goodbye to D'Lo, you can get the sixth overall pick in the draft, you definitely do that. Um, and if you have to take on T.J. Warren to do that, you do that. But because uh, I like T.J. Warren, I, I imagine the Suns can figure out another way to get down to that number so they can just sign him outright by not giving up the sixth pick. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's quite realistic. Um, yeah, but all that's intriguing, man. All of it's intriguing. Now, they would have to do it like that. That would have to be agreed to before the draft because the Nets would presumably want to make that pick or they'll want to trade that pick to another team in like a three team deal before the draft because that other team will want to make that decision. Uh, but we'll see. Well, um, so much so much fun news coming up in the next month. And then and then we have to make the news, Mike. So next week, we hope to have Anthony Puccio and then we'll be doing some more draft stuff. And yeah, I mean, then you have to like schedule. So if, if maybe if Anthony Pucci is not in, like interviewing Barack Obama or something that week, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's the trajectory his career is on. Truly ascendant. Um, so we'll do all that stuff. And then, you know, Brian and I are going to talk about we're going to do some special coverage around free agency. I think it's warranted and necessary. It'll be deep and dives, very deep, heavy on the analytics. Um, thank you all for listening. You're going to want a pen and a pad for those episodes, guys. Um, hey, thanks, everybody. Good night. Yeah, boy!